Welcome to Arkansas AgCast, your source for the latest news and views in Arkansas agriculture. Arkansas AgCast is produced by the Arkansas Farm Bureau Federation. Welcome to the Arkansas AgCast for February 27th. I'm your host, Rob Anderson. This week, we talked to Tracy Dunbar, chair of the UAPB Department of Agriculture, about the school's recent Rural Life Conference. And we sit down with Arkansas Farm Bureau's Brandy Carroll to learn more about the Arkansas Abandoned Pesticide Program. Also, we talk healthy soils with Robbie Beavis and Bill Robertson. First, Ken Moore talks to the University of Arkansas Pine Bluff Department of Agriculture Chair Tracy Dunbar about the 64th Annual Rural Life Conference hosted by the University's School of Agriculture, Fisheries, and Human Sciences on February. 21st. This year's conference theme was Empowering Communities Through Education, Research, and Extension, and it featured a number of workshops on topics to help small farmers and rural communities prosper. On this edition of AgCast, I'm coming to you from the Pine Bluff Convention Center at the 64th Annual Rural Life Conference with the theme of Empowering Communities Through Education, Research, and Extension. And I'm speaking with Dr. Tracy Dunbar, Chair of the Department of Agriculture at the University of Arkansas at Pine Bluff. And Dr. Dunbar, thank you for giving me a few minutes of your time while we have a little break here. We've just concluded the opening session, and uh, I am impressed. You've got an excellent crowd here for the 64th Annual Rural Life Conference. So just tell me a little bit about the history of this event, please. Oh, thank you so much. Um for sitting down and talking with me. We've been doing this, as you can see, this is our 64th Annual Rural Life Conference. And we've been doing it for that long. And we're bringing in people from the community, um, farmers, homemakers, retirees, to listen to agricultural professionals from all of the different USDA agencies as well as our faculty and staff that's conducting research and extension that maybe be able to help uh, improve the lives of the farmers or the homemakers. Over 64 years, how many years, I guess, just to kind of get a perspective, have you been involved with it through your work there at UAPB, and uh, how many years have you seen it grow in, in participation and the way it's helping the communities here? Yeah, I've been here at UAPB for approximately 20 20- 20-plus years myself, okay. so I would have say I would say that I've attended 20-plus uh, conferences, and it's grown over the years. Um, there have been times we've had 350, 400 people. We mentioned the year that Dan Glickman came. I'm not ex- exactly sure what year that was, but there were so many people here um, from various different agencies and organizations sharing their information with our with our local community and people coming from all over the state. Um, I was also involved in it when I was a student here at UAPB. So it's any number of years I've, I've been involved, and I'm, I'm hoping to be involved for many more years. Now you've got 10 different workshops going on concurrently right now, I believe, between now and, and, and the luncheon uh, on a variety of very important topics. Just talk about some of those workshops and how they're going to help the people who are attending, whether they're small farmers here in the community in southeast Arkansas, and just empower communities. They're all designed to do that. Yeah, we'll have a variety of different workshops available to the participants today from the School of Agriculture, Fisheries, and Human Sciences. So, therefore, we would have workshops related to agriculture, crop and row crops, livestock, nutrition, health, all of those kinds of things that we can use to help the farmer to improve his or her yield or his or her head of cattle so that they can make more profit is the bottom line is 
as far as the farm business is concerned. And then we have aquaculture and fisheries as it relates to fish production, health, nutrition as well. We know that the bottom line is the profit for the for the fish farmers as well. And then we have a lot of um, workshops as it relates to human development, nutrition, food safety, those kinds of uh, topics will be involved today. There's one, I believe, on changes to the 2018 Farm Bill and how uh, the local producers, what they need to understand from uh, the, the Farm Bill that was implemented a couple of years ago. Yeah, they need to know about all of the different programs that could help uh, support or improve their farm situation. We, we're, our, most of our clientele are small and limited resource farmers, so they need to know how to take advantage of those programs that are available to them to help them improve their farm. And that's part of the reason why we continue to have this conference. So actually that's one of the main reasons why we continue to have these uh, workshops and this conference over the years, is to provide them with that uh, information that they need to improve their farm situation. Sustainability is, is a key word when it comes to agriculture in 2020 and beyond. Uh, and we just want to partner together, don't we, to help these farmers and ranchers become more sustainable. Absolutely. When we talk about sustainability, we talk about economic sustainability, environmental sustainability, social and political sustainability. We want to leave it better for the generations that are coming behind us. So how is your uh, Department of Agriculture growing at UAPB these days? And uh, as you are now into the spring semester, tell me about uh, how it's grown and what the future holds for your department. I I think there are going to be great things happening within our department for the future. We have agricultural programs and agricultural business, economics, animal science, plant science. We have a regulatory science program. Uh, regulatory science center of excellence we have a graduate program with an ms degree in agricultural regulations so we're seeing growth in all of those we're hoping only to get get bigger and better Um, the aquaculture and fisheries program has a phd program so human sciences has various different programs certificate programs that are available to people to the non-traditional student so we have a variety of different things going on we are hoping that Um, interviews like this, get the word out, the conference. We're constantly talking about recruiting more students. So uh, part of it is that they're not aware of what we have going on, so we want to do a better job of getting the word out. Well, we're very pleased uh, to be able to visit with you and help you get the word out and hope that our listeners will learn more about what you have to offer at UAPB and the Department of Agriculture. Let's talk about the aquaculture and fisheries for just a moment. Where is that program right now here? What are you doing in the realm of uh, aquaculture and and kind of what's the future for your program there? Yeah, my area is agriculture, but we are housed with the aquaculture and fisheries department. I think they're looking at alternative income streams for the farmers. We've talked to them about, you know, wetlands and other alternatives that farmers can get involved in. Um, to help improve their income situation, looking at different alternatives to growing and producing the fish. Fish, nutrition, health, all of those kinds of concerns are, uh, they're conducting research on those areas in the Department of Aquaculture and Fisheries. Uh, I understand also that you're going to be participating in Arkansas Farm Bureau's Diversity in Agriculture Conference just a week from now. I think that conference in uh, a week uh, and, and North Little Rock kind of goes hand in glove with what you're trying to do here today. 
It, it absolutely does. Uh, but my what I'm excited about is that I'm going to be bringing a group of approximately 10 students with me so they could look and be able to see the diversity of alternatives in agriculture other than just production agriculture. They can see, they're able to see some other business and career and job opportunities that they may be interested in going into. And I'm also trying to uh, have the students to network with ag professionals and the Farm Bureau, looking at maybe getting more of our students' uh, internships and career and job opportunities with the Farm Bureau. And I appreciate what you just said because it's job opportunities off the farm, beyond just production agriculture. We're still going to need farmers and ranchers to produce our food, fiber, and shelter, but there's so many other allied careers out there, aren't there? There absolutely are, and that's part of the stigma that's attached to when you say, what are you going to major in? I'm going to major in agriculture. But what the kids don't understand sometimes is that there are a diversity of yes. career and, and job opportunities within agriculture for them. So part of what we do, we stress excellence in the classroom, but we take advantage of these opportunities to take the kids outside of the classroom so we can expose them to other career and job opportunities. Anything else you'd like to say about uh, the uh, Rural Life Conference and how people can get more information if they weren't able to attend the event today here in Pine Bluff? How can they learn more about what you have to offer here at UAPB? Well, they could actually just go on our UAPB webpage and go to the directory and look for myself, uh, get my my email information if you want more information. from all of the. You'll be able to see all of the department chairs' information as well as the dean of the school. Just contact us and let us know what your interests are, and we'll point you in the right direction. So check out that uh, UAPB website uh, online, and you can learn more information about uh, what the uh, Department of Agriculture and University of Arkansas Pine Bluff have to offer here in Jefferson County. Dr. Dunbar, thank you so much for just a few minutes of uh, sharing this information with us. It's an exciting day here for you again. and exciting. uh, It's a very exciting day. Yes, it is. Yeah, thank you so much. Been speaking with Dr. Tracy Dunbar, chair of the Department of Agriculture at the University of Arkansas Pine Bluff, on this edition of Arkansas AgCast. Now Keith Sutton chats with Arkansas Farm Bureau Director of Commodity Activities and Market Information, Brandy Carroll, about the Arkansas Abandoned Pesticide Program, which provides a no-cost way for farmers to safely dispose of unwanted chemicals. Welcome to AgCast. This is Keith Sutton with Arkansas Farm Bureau. Today I'm at Farm Bureau Center in Little Rock and I'm talking to Brandy Carroll, the Director of Commodity Activities and Market Information for Farm Bureau. Welcome to AgCast, Brandy. Thank you, Keith. Thanks for having me. We're always glad to have you on. Uh, You've always got good information for us to get out to our folks. And today we want to talk a little bit about a really important program. It's called the Abandoned Pesticide Program. Tell everybody all about this program and why it's important for them to know about it. Sure. The Abandoned Pesticide Program was uh, founded in 2005. Arkansas Farm Bureau is a big supporter of that in the legislature. Uh, We partner, the State Plant Board actually conducts the program in partnership with the University of Arkansas Cooperative Extension Service, the Farm Bureau, the Natural Resources Division, and the Arkansas Department of Environmental Quality. And what this program does is it provides an anonymous and free way for farmers and other non-industrial landowners 
to dispose of pesticides that they no longer want or can't use for one reason or another. And there, there's a lot of folks out there that find themselves in this situation. They've got stuff left over that can't be used and they don't know what to do with it. But this offers them a method of disposing of that in the right way. Right. It absolutely does. Um, and like I said, it is free and anonymous. So no matter what they have, um, this is the safe way to dispose of that. Um, it provides a, a location in each county, and we'll go through the upcoming schedule. Um, but at this point, since 2005, every county has had at least one event. Most have had multiple events. Um, and uh, but since 2005, they have collected 3,646,397 pounds of unwanted pesticides. Oh my goodness, that that shows the extent mm -hmm. of the need for for doing this on a regular basis. It really does. Um, you know, it is it is a very valuable program. It's funded actually through um, when a manufacturer. Uh, applies for a license, a registration in the state of Arkansas for a new product, um, there's there's um, a sort of a tax or a fee on that registration. So they're the ones who pay for this program. That's how it's funded. So farmers never really have to pay uh, anything for the program. So um, it has obviously been a benefit. Lots and lots of farmers all around the state have found this program to be very beneficial. Um, Farm Bureau has a seat on the board um, that oversees the program. I hold that spot currently. Very good. Well, uh, we've got a lot of, uh, of, of activities going on in regards to this program sure. that are coming up sometime in the next few months, right? That's right, we do. Um, the uh, the goal of the committee is to uh, make our way around the state. We have made or we have um, a collection schedule based upon um, we do it sort of regionally and move uh, around the state. Now this coming spring, uh, we have um, we're in sort of east central Arkansas, and I can go quickly through that schedule. Um, uh, Collection will begin on March 9th in Prairie County at the County Fairgrounds. Uh, March 10th, they'll move to Arkansas County, um, and there that's at the County Road Department in Arkansas County in DeWitt. The uh, March 11th is Lone Oak County at the County Fairgrounds in Lone Oak. March 12th is Jefferson County, and that's Tommy's Flying Service in Sherrill. And March 13th will be Deshaies County, and that will be at the McGee Men's Club in McGee. So there's a lot of places coming up where if, if you need to dispose of some pesticides you couldn't use, um, this is the way to do it to be sure it gets done right. It is. Uh, and then they'll dispose of these in a manner that's that's you know environmentally sound and, and to take care of this in that, the right way. That's right. The um, the state plant board and the, the abandoned pesticide committee utilize a subcontractor uh, that is uh, they're experts in uh, knowing how to dispose of each particular pesticide and how to neutralize those things. And so um, they really they're the ones who really do it. 
Um, but, you know, the state plant board employees will be there to help you, um, you know, unload and get, get things done and know what to do. Um, you know, sometimes if you would have, you know, a big load, um, you know, you might contact the plant board ahead of time just to let them know. Um, because it's been going since 2005 and because the committee has rotated, you know, all the way around the state at least once and most counties have had m multiple events, you might think that, um, a lot of the old stuff has been taken care of and that that is true but just this past fall um the collection in about six counties in southeast arkansas uh they collected again about 165,000 pounds wow. so um it just it lets you know that there that and the need continues and that farmers will can right now continue to utilize the program and so we still feel like it's um a very big benefit to folks. Is there a place, the, we just mentioned a few of the events that mm -hmm. are upcoming very soon. Is yes. there a, a website or somewhere people could go to keep up to date for their area? Absolutely. The State Plant Board keeps uh, maintains a list. It's on the Arkansas Agriculture Department website at this point, but if you just, you can honestly just Google Arkansas Abandoned Pesticide Program and it will take you there. Uh, the schedule is out, the schedule of counties is out through about 2022 or maybe 23 now the committee has approved those so you can certainly see um, you do not have to live in the county where the collection site mm -hmm. is might be another important thing it's, that is we don't, important we don't check your um, uh, your county of residence uh, so if you live in a neighboring county and want to come to one of these events that's totally fine too if there's one that suits your schedule better or you you know you may be um, closer. You may live in Prairie County, but you might be closer to DeWitt. I mean, you know, it's just, right. it, it depends on where you live and what's convenient for you. Um, but you're always welcome to do that. I don't think that we would encourage folks to really drive across the state carrying pesticides sure, that sure. need to be disposed of. But it's good uh, to know they have an option. You know, right, you don't yeah. have to go to the one in your county and wait you till don't. it happens. If you're ready to do something or mm -hmm. you're closer, you can go to a neighboring county or, or wherever. That, that's right. But, you know, if you look and you see that um, your county happened in the fall of 2019 and you missed it, but you'd like to come to one of these events in the spring, you're certainly welcome to do that at any time. So. Brandy, thank you very much for sharing all this information with us. We very much appreciate it. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. And finally, Ken Moore spoke with Robbie Beavis of Lono, president of the Arkansas Soil Health Alliance, and Bill Robertson, extension cotton agronomist for the University of Arkansas System Division of Agriculture, at this week's Healthy Soils for Sustainable Cotton at an Arkansas Soil Health Alliance conference in McGee. On this edition of Arkansas AgCast, I'm down in McGee at the Arkansas Soil Health Conference. Uh, it's an annual meeting, and I'm talking with the Robbie Beavis, who is president of the Arkansas Soil Health Alliance, and uh, Dr. Bill Robertson, who is the uh, Arkansas cotton agronomist for the uh, University of Arkansas System Division of Agriculture. And Robbie, let's talk with you first. Uh, Robbie is uh, a farmer from Lone Oak uh, County, and uh, Robbie, in your role as president of the Soil Health Alliance, uh, in your words, just talk about the importance of this meeting and why producers in Arkansas, especially here in the Delta, need to hear this. You know, one thing that, that we're seeing when these current market prices are down and, and producers are struggling to make profits where, you know, they're trying to figure out what can we do, what can we do, we've got to do something different. And, and you know, I've, I've been in this since 2012 with covers and, and trying to uh, – 
increase my soil health on my operation. And, and we're seeing not only is the soil health increased, but we're able to, to reduce inputs and less trips across the field. And it's, it's just really increasing our bottom line without um, really haven't seen a big drag in yield and, and reduction in our yield. So we're just, there's a group of us that form the Soil Health Alliance because we've seen this, we see the benefits of it, and, and we just want producers to be successful. And, and we just see that if we continue to do what we're doing, it's it's not, we're not going to be successful, we're not going to be profitable. And, and we see more and more farmers going out every year and and we're just trying to let them know there is a different way to do this. We don't have to do it the same way our father did or our grandfather did or our great-grandfather, that we can do something different and, and try to be you know, on the forefront and, and, and look at things different and try to be better stewards of the land and, and leave it in better shape than, than what our, our fathers left it to us. Now, if you can kind of synopsize some of the information that uh, the, the growers heard this morning from the different specialists. We had a gentleman from the Soil Institute here. Even things like the benefit of using earthworms. You, you've got to allow the soil to be able to create these cavities so that the moisture can get on down to the root system. You know, yeah, you do. The, the one thing we'd like to talk about is it's, it's every time you do tillage, you destroy the house. And, you know, if you have a tornado tear your house down every May you kind of get tired of rebuilding your house. And that's, in essence, what we do to the soil is every time we do tillage, we tear down the house for, for the biology to live. You know, uh, we had Mr. David Lamb from the Soil Institute talk about, you know, a lot of these industries are pushing for more sustainability. And, and too many times, in the producer's mind, we hear sustainability, we think profitability. Well, you know, a lot of times the general public, I hate to say they don't care if we're profitable, but they want that feel good, this was grown better, whether it's organic or sustainable, I, you know, there's so many different key terms out there going around right now. But, um, you know, as a producer, I want to be sustainable, which means profitable. But And, and there's ways we can get that, you know. Um, the other gentleman that spoke from NRCS this morning talked about all the biology and even how uh, some of the fertilizers we use, Yes, it may help on the fertility side, but it may actually be hurting us on the insect side because, yeah. you know, how a plant grows and it makes it more enticing to the plant, to the insects. Um, so, you know, he, he really got kind of, I call it nerding out on some of the science, but I didn't understand a lot of the big words, but I've seen some of the principles work on my operation. So I might not understand the big words he uses, but I understand the principle behind it and how I'm seeing you know, I may have thought it was beneficials that were eating all the bugs, but I may have a healthier plant that makes it less enticing for, for, you know, it may have, it's a healthier balance just like we are. As a human being, when we're healthy and balanced, we don't get infections as bad. We don't have as near health issues. Well, our plants are the same way. When we have a healthier plant, a more complete plant, it's not as enticing to bugs. It's not as enticing to disease. It's not as enticing to, to the, fun, you know, the fungi and different bad things that hurt us. So, you know, it, we need to start looking at the plants as a living, breathing thing, just like we look at ourselves. And, and when we, if we'll get, and that's where I've finally gotten to is these plants are a living, breathing thing. And if we'll treat them with that and we make them healthy, a lot of times we can get out of the way and they'll take care of themselves. We don't have to be so as involved in, in making sure that the bugs aren't there. And, you know, we still got to be looking for them, but we don't have to run out there every so many days trying to, to put another insecticide or pesticide or herbicide out there to, to, you know, combat. I didn't realize even, you know, you may, even with weeds, they like a certain soil. And if we produce that for them, the weeds are going to do better than our crops. So, 
you know, it was really exciting to me to see that if we move more towards a healthier, balanced soil, it's not only helping the plants, but it's also helping combat weeds and insects and all these other things on top of that. Many, many farmers are utilizing soil moisture probes. Uh, and I heard one of the producers this morning say that uh, before utilizing or implementing these principles of soil health, the, you know, the soil moisture levels would only go down so far, you know, maybe 12 inches. And now it's going down two feet and beyond. And he can track that with these probes because they're implementing these principles, aren't they? And so you can get that water down deeper. Yes, I mean, that's that, that's one visual sign we see is when we use the soil moisture sensors, we can actually see, you know, where where's the water going? Is it going, you know, is it going 6 inches, 12 inches, 20, you know, is it going 36 inches? Or is it just going 2 inches and the rest of it's going down to the ditch? And you know, I remember Stephen's talk, you know, uh, one of the specialists, because we use telemetry so we can look at our phone and see, and he says, when are you going to water? When are you going to water? Well, I've already watered three times. You know, that kind of got an argument whether he did or not because, the soil moisture sensors aren't moving. And Steve's like, I know I watered. I watched it go down the field. And he goes, but, and that was an eye-opening experience for him because he thought he was irrigating, but he really wasn't. You know, he was just running water down the, through the field. Uh, you know, and, and producers have got to realize that, you know, they think they're putting on three inches, but they only may be getting a half inch or an inch. And But they spent the money on the three inches. And, and it's very critical that, that we get the water where we need it to be, just like with pesticides and insecticides or anything else we use, we need to get the the, the product where we need it put. And and water is no different than than keeping your your pesticides on target inside your field, uh, you know, parameters. And then, uh, not asking you necessarily to pat yourself on the back, but I heard you received some recognition. Uh, earlier for some of the practices you've done and talk about that special recognition and, and award you won. Yes, I, I was very honored. I got, uh, it was a, a joint between NRCS and um, the uh, Natural Conservation District at the Nation, uh, NACD's national meeting in Vegas a few weeks ago. Um, I was nominated and selected for the Olin Sims Award. It's an award for uh, young producers and, and, and conservation district uh, members that are trying to be on the forefront and showing great leadership skills and, and, you know, trying to further soil health and what's good for conservation. And like I said, I was very honored. I was the first person from Arkansas to receive this award. Uh, and like I said, it was very honoring to, to get to go up there and, and, you know, have some recognition from the conservation district side and the NRCS side that, Sometimes you don't know whether you're doing a good job or not, but that it's you know very honored and very humbling to, to be selected across the nation for that. Well, we congratulate that you on that, Robbie, and uh, very very well deserved. And I'm going to transition now to Bill Robertson here for a few minutes and talk about how cotton is going to benefit from this soil health conference too. I think that was part of the discussion this morning, Bill, and uh, and how does that all play together? Yeah, on the. The, the work that David Lamb with the Soil Health Institute presented this morning talked about sustainability. Well, sustainability is an issue that's not just unique to cotton. The, our rice people, soybeans, corn are all concerned and, and impacted by the level of sustainability. A lot of that's driven by the brands and retailers through consumer interaction. But, but when we look at what we can do to be more sustainable, oftentimes those practices are the same practices that help us improve soil health. 
And so when we look at implementing these practices to improve soil health, it has a broad-reaching impact, not just on the agronomy, but it impacts our wheat science, our entomology, our pathology, the, the whole thing. So, so this is an effort that, that I think is, is going to be very important to production agriculture, especially in the Mid-South, because I feel personally that, that the lack of soil health, the lack of soil structure, is our most limiting factor in, in row crop production. And when we wrap this up here uh, this morning, gentlemen, uh, Robbie, and I'm going to talk to Bill again here in a second from a statewide perspective, but uh, here we are. You're a producer. You're getting ready to try to plant your crops for 2020, uh, and it seems like we might get two days of sunshine if we're fortunate, and then here comes another rain system. The ground is just saturated, so we're not lacking for soil moisture right now at all. You can't even get your uh, equipment in the fields uh, what are your thoughts as you uh, approach March and this uh, year's planting season? You know, it seems like the, the the weather, we keep saying we're going to have a normal year, we're going to have a normal year, year and it, it seems like these extremes have become the normal the last three or four years. And um, with that, I, you know, we just have to be patient. Um, and and when the window becomes available, we've got to be able to be, you know, be ready to run. And if that means running – you know, we, we've ran 18, 20 hours a day, run two crews, whatever it takes in the short windows we have. Um, that's what we've done. But, you know, one thing about with the soil health and cover crops, you know, we don't have to be as worried about the tillage side of it. We don't have to be as worried about certain things. We, you know, we hook up the planter, and when, when the conditions are right to plant, we go plant. So, you know, that takes, to me, is, is a less risk factor because I don't have as much work to do as a conventional guy does so you know that takes a little to me takes a little risk out for me it gives me a little comfort to know well i've only got to make one trip they've got to make two or three trips and so it takes less time for me to get my crop in as far as if if you know no it takes me the same amount planning time but i don't have as much prep time into it as far as getting the ground ready to go so i mean it's there's so many benefits behind this and that's why the soil health alliance is here and and this group of farmers got together so we can help these these farmers understand that and see and and do things different and and try to you know mitigate some of their risk. Um, and that's it. No matter what we do in agriculture, no matter what we do in agriculture, it's a risk. It's just how much risk are you willing to take on which side? And we're, we found some ways that can reduce some of that risk, and that's what we're trying to do is, is show them those benefits and. You know, and, and it's soil health is the one benefit that doesn't only help agriculture. It's going to help, you know, my neighbors. It's going to help the town next to me because we've got less wind erosion. You know, we have less water erosion. We have less, you know, it's, it's producing better infiltration. It's cl- producing cleaner air. You know, there's so many other benefits besides what it's doing just for me that everybody's going to reap in the long run behind this. Well, I hope you can get your crops planted in a timely fashion this spring Robbie and uh, thank you for giving us a few minutes of your time and Bill one final question for you uh, cotton farmers uh, you know cotton turned out to be pretty good we've got a brand new gin up here at uh, Winchester that is in operation now because uh, acreage and production increased in 2019 so what's the outlook for 2020? Well, you know, I think we had we had a good year last year. Uh, I think our overall yield projection for last year is probably going to go up when we get all of our cotton ginned. I'm looking for acres to to stay fairly flat in in light of of uh, uh, 
of how corn and beans look for the coming year. I don't look for uh, a big increase, but I don't look for a decrease in acres either. So I think they're going to going to remain pretty flat. I just wish we'd get a little bit of dry weather so we could get in to, to do some of the field work like Robbie said in a row crop. But it's also impacting our, our, our livestock areas. I live in, in Jackson County, kind of in between Independence and White County up in the hills. And I know my neighbors are, are really struggling. Uh, February was wet and cloudy. Uh, our winter annuals that we plant in our warm season pastures to try to extend our grazing season just dis- didn't grow much. And so... Uh, so not only are row crop guys struggling at this point in time, but our but our livestock and forage operators are are kind of feeling the pinch as well with all the the wet weather. Well, uh, if the rain doesn't stop, I mean, we get into April and May, and I know the prime planting window for for cotton I think is from uh, I don't know mid April through through May. You need some warm weather. You need for the temperatures to warm up. But uh, you know, what if it the ground doesn't dry out? Uh, enough i mean you know how does that impact our cotton uh, planting season yeah well we'll we'll get the dry weather all too quick because <laughs> it won't be long before we'll say is it ever going to rain again uh but the in in our conventional till situation some of the worst things we can go we can do is to till it wet because we have some some really great tools to uh to really compact the soil and uh, that really has a negative impact on water infiltration and, and plant growth as well. And so conditions will get right. We're just going to have to be patient, just like Robbie was talking about a while ago, is uh, be patient, wait, and plant when the conditions are right. Because, you know, when I visit with producers, I go to some producers' places. They may have two or three 12-row planters, and we're not doing much more than just putting seed in the planter and going because we have the seed treatments and all of our early season pest control. So we can plant a lot of cotton real quick. Generally, uh, you know, you give us seven to ten days, and we can plant pretty much our whole crop, especially a crop that takes almost two months to harvest. So we can plant it in a hurry. So we just have to be patient. Well, uh, fingers crossed. We get a little bit of uh, that dry weather, and we get that window for producers to get in the fields, do their prep work, and like you say, you can get it planted pretty quick. But speaking with Bill Robertson, the cotton agronomist for the University of Arkansas System Division of Agriculture, and Robbie Beavis uh, of Lone Oak County, president of the Arkansas Soil Health Alliance, on this edition of Arkansas AgCast. That'll do it for this week. Arkansas AgCast will be back next week with a special update from Washington, D.C. as we take part in the Arkansas Farm Bureau President's Advocacy and Leadership Tour.